This is good old boy Mike from Sips, Suds, and Smokes podcast, and you're listening to Pop Goes Your World. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes. And while you're there, please leave us a rating and review. And now it's time for our feature presentation. I'm Chris McBrien, and the pop culture from Generation X is everything to me. And I'm Derek Myers, and I'm here to educate Chris on the great pop culture of today's generation. Episode 275, Bad Santa Movie Review. Chris McBrien, along with Derek Myers, and this is Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. We are definitely in the Christmas spirit around here. We're reviewing another Christmas movie celebrating a milestone anniversary. This time it's Bad Santa. It debuted in theaters 20 years ago. But before we get to our movie review this week, Derek, what pop culture have you been able to take in, my friend? Hey, Chris. Uh, not nearly as much as you might expect, especially in the last couple of weeks. I think I've had a lot a lot going on. Only had a couple, but I did manage to get to the theater this week. Oh, wow. And, cool. Uh, my wife and I went out to watch the latest offering from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I believe it came out a couple of weeks back. So we were a little Why behind. does that not surprise me? Yeah. yeah. So we well, we needed to get that one under our belt ahead of all the Oscar contenders that are now starting oh, yes. to roll out. Like I think Napoleon is the next one on our hit list, but mm. we wanted to get this one done first. So we did the Marvels. Uh, this is the sequel to Captain Marvel. Uh, again, as part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it's part of the ongoing storyline. It also draws uh, on characters that appeared in some of the television programs running on Disney. So there's um uh, one of the characters is makes an appearance in the WandaVision and one of the characters is the the, the main character in uh, Ms. Marvel TV series. So it's the the three female heroes that came together and uh, it was good. I really liked it. It was it was fun. It was interesting. I know it got a lot of crap on the Internet, but movies driven by females always do. I mean, it's three female heroes fighting a female villain. Of course, the haters are going to hate. But uh, if you're a Marvel, if you're a Marvel fan, it's got everything you want out of this one. It's got everything you expect. I mean, it's the quality of the Marvel movies, in my opinion, has dropped considerably in the last couple of years. And this one is definitely a better offering than some of the ones that have come more recently. Uh, It's not nearly as good as sort of that phase one when they were really sort of in the in the the glory years of it but uh, but it was good i enjoyed it i'm glad i saw it in the theater i'm definitely glad i saw it and um so let me ask you that can i ask you a question sure yeah if i what marvel movies have come out recently that have made you think that they've kind of declined in quality i'm curious to know so i would say i'm gonna do the opposite of that so avengers endgame was like the culmination of the 10 years of movie making mm-hmm after that, Spider-Man that came out was outstanding, one of the absolute best Marvel movies. The Wakanda Forever sequel was quite strong, and I think everything else that's come out since then, and there's probably been about four or five of them, have definitely been less than what had come before. And maybe that's just fatigue. You you know, you get so many of these year after year after year, eventually you, you just sort of get used to it. It doesn't feel as special. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that there was definitely been. So what uh, are the titles of those ones that were bad? Uh, 
Well, I don't even want to say bad. I just want to say not as good. So like mm. Thor Part Four, Thor: Love and Thunder, uh, Ant Man and the Wasp, uh, Quantum Manium, okay. which I think was a third Ant Man movie. They made three of those. I didn't even know. Uh, actually, Guardians of the Galaxy Three was pretty good. That one, that one was uh, was strong, and this one was was good but not great. Um, so okay, yeah, it's interesting. Just, I'm just curious. Like curious. Just, I don't know these yeah, movies at all, so. Yeah, it just seems like they've sort of either it's a combination of they've lost their footing and they've just saturated the market with so much stuff that it's right. like, well, to to separate yourself from the pack, you have to be amazing. Uh, mm-hmm. No pun intended. Hence the Amazing Spider-Man. But uh, you have to be really good. This one, this one's good, but not really good. But I enjoyed it. I felt uh, I had no problem giving them my money. So anyway, and then I had a chance to watch a couple of uh, well, I'll call them oldie goldies yes. on uh, the 70s movie channel. It was clearly a cop movie. In the last couple of weeks. So I had a chance to watch one I'd never seen before and always wanted to see and one that I hadn't seen in a decade. So the one I've already seen before, they did a Dirty Harry movie marathon. They wrote they showed the three Dirty Harry movies that came out in the 70s. And then the next day on the 80s channel, they did the other two Dirty Harry movies that came out in the 80s. There was five altogether. I've definitely seen them all before, but I have not seen any of them in a very long time. So I started right at the beginning. I started with the first one, Dirty Harry, 1971. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, it was, I mean, I remembered enjoying it. I thought it was quite good. Uh, it's interesting to see Clint Eastwood is so young in those movies compared to the way he looks now. Um, and for some, if you're a big Star Trek nerd, um, the villain in Dirty Harry is the actor that played Garak in Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the Cardassian spy. So it was interesting to see that guy in, as a much younger performer with long hair and without any of the Star Trek makeup on. But it he was, was sorry, really he was the Cardassian spy, not the yeah. Kardashian spy. No, no. Okay. Uh, so anyway, Dirty Harry Part the 1. The Kardashian spy had this amazingly huge Oh my. Jeez. <laughs> you say so. Yeah. Don't even want to go there. Um, anyway, then I had a chance to watch Death Wish starring Charles Bronson from Jeez. 1974. 74. Yeah. Never seen it before. It's I knew, I know of it. it. I think they did four sequels. Uh, it's a butt of a lot of jokes. The Simpsons like to make fun of Death Wish a lot. Uh, I I really enjoyed this movie. It was really good. I mean, it was a 70s movie. No, both of these movies very 70s. The way the movie shot. The Is, music. Isn't the original one with Jeff Goldblum as one of the Jeff Goldblum's yeah. first on-screen appearance? Yeah. And to this and to date, his only nude scene. Um, but anyway, no, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, it's it is what it is, right? Like these movies were were pretty violent, and but that was the style in the seventies. So, a couple of classics that I was glad I had a chance to go and revisit. And next week, I'm sure I'm going to have all the other Dirty Harry movies under my belt, and the Marvels. So that was my week. Nice. I've this is, might be surprising. I've never seen a Dirty Harry movie ever. Wow, Not but they're right in your wheelhouse. Seventies and eighties. I know. I just I don't know. They were just they never appealed to me for some reason. So I never watched any of them. So maybe I'll have to watch one of them. Okay, so Derek, for me, you know what I miss, bud? I miss the old days. Shocking, I know. So one thing that families used to do together, every night back in the 80s, we'd, we'd all gather in the living room and we'd watch TV together. And it's a thing of the past. At least it is in our house. I mean, the kids are off watching dumb YouTube videos of... You know, guys playing video games and screaming. And so my wife watches dumb And then I watch old episodes of The Love Boat. So we're all in different rooms watching different things. So 
We don't do a lot together. So I decided to try and change that, Derek. So I, okay. I decided I'm going to force my family to watch the love boat with me. I'm just kidding. Oh, no, I'm, sure I'm not going to do that. You for that. I know. If I had to do, if I did that, it would be like that scene in a clockwork orange when they had to like peel back the guy's eyelids to force him to watch it. That's what that yeah. yeah. No. So we decided to start watching a show together as a family. We decided on the Simpsons. Oh, right. Yeah. I think you mentioned that in the last show. Yeah. No, I, I mentioned it to you off, 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 uh, Mike. Oh yeah. Right. We talked about it. Off yeah. Mike, yeah. And, uh, so we started with the very first episode all the way back to that Christmas special from like 1989. Mm-hmm. It was really interesting to, to watch the show evolve. It didn't take it very long. Let me tell you by season three, this show really starts to hit its stride by season yeah. four, totally in the groove. So I forgot how funny some of these episodes are. Oh my God. The one where Homer jumps Springfield gorge on, on Bart's skateboard. skateboard. <laughs> falls down the gorge and hits every single rock and branch on the way down and they pull him up by helicopter and they keep banging his head off the cliff and they, they put him in an ambulance and it hits a tree so he falls out the back and he goes all the way down the gorge again my kids were even surprised by how much i was laughing at that like i just laughed my head off watching it and the thing is this this show what is there, like 35 seasons of this now? Like, it's crazy. I I probably haven't seen a new episode of The Simpsons in maybe like 20 years. So it's been really, really good for me to go back and watch it. But mostly, Derek, I will say it's it's nice to have that time together as a family. You know, to actually to sit together and like watch something together. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't know. It's just, it's not the way it was. It used to be like when I was growing up, We'd all watch TV together. We'd watch like Happy Days or Laverne and Shirley or, or whatever, but I don't know. We don't do that anymore. So, Chris, um, let me ask you, how yeah. are your kids enjoying the show? Like, are they finding it hard to, hard to, not hard to follow, but because of the age of the show, the fact that the episodes are 30 plus years old and your kids are in the, what, they're around 10? Like, are they finding some of the humor just doesn't land with them because it's, it's sort of out of time? Like, some of the references are just so old or... Are they they, they actually they actually love it. They they they're really enjoying it, and it's like to the point where it's like, can we go watch The Simpsons? Is it time to watch The Simpsons yet? I'm like, oh my god! So we put it on. There's a couple things that are a little bit inappropriate to show. My wife more than once has said, oh, I don't know about this. She's like the Marge Simpson character. She's like, mm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like there's there is some stuff you know that's a little bit inappropriate, I guess. But no, they they seem to like it. And they enjoy watching it. It's, it's, they've done really good. Good. Uh, you know another thing that my family really enjoys about me? This. Here's your dad joke of the week. Derek, it's another Christmas movie this week. So that means another Christmas joke. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay. Derek, what's the difference between Santa Claus and Tiger Woods? Oh, I'm sure it's going to be something about a chimney. Let's hear. Let's hear, Chris. I don't know. What is the difference? The difference between Santa Claus and Tiger Woods? Santa was smart enough to stop at three. Oh, Oh, come on. That gets bleeped out. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. (laughs) I'm glad you like it. But you know me, Derek. I'm the champion 
of Gen X pop culture. Did Simpsons it? did it. Yeah. Simpsons did it. Yeah. Man, that Beyonce sure is hot. I'm already not comfortable where this is going. Like, okay. You've there got male M-A-L-E. There we go. Very good. Okay. Jeez. Figure that one out on your own. You may have some explaining about your internet history. Okay. We did it in Canada first. I overlooked the obvious answer there. All right. Half of you men run over to the town square, and the others will run with mucus. With Christmas just around the corner, we've been going back and reviewing some Christmas movies that are celebrating milestone anniversaries. And last week it was, uh, we did Scrooged from 35 years ago. And this week it's Bad Santa, 20 years ago. So this film debuted on November the 26th, 2003. It stars Billy Bob Thornton, Lauren Graham, John Ritter, and Bernie Mac. And it's funny, Derek, my wife is always complaining about the movies that we have to watch for the podcast. But this is one she was like pumped for because for years she keeps bugging me to watch this movie and like neither of us had ever seen it. But I, I always refused to watch it because I thought it looked shitty. so she was like super pumped. She's like, oh, my God, we're going to watch this finally, you know. And so so Derek, you, you got her excited about the podcast for once. So thank you for that. So you were the one, obviously, that suggested that we go back and review this movie. So maybe you can start us off with a little bit of a, maybe like an explanation of what you why you like this movie, why you want to go back and review it here on the podcast. So I hadn't had a chance to see this movie, it's got to be more than 10 years. Like, okay. I, I'm fairly certain I saw it in the theater. Um, or if not in the theater, when it first came out on like DVD. And... I, I remember enjoying it. I remember it, obviously, Christmas movie. I remembered sort of the broad strokes of the plot. Um, you know me, I like any sort of a heist movie. So the fact that they're like thieves, you know, masquerading as Santa and an elf obviously appealed to me over and above the Christmas aspect of it. And I find Billy Bob Thornton can be hit or, hit or miss. I mean, he's he's had a lot of critical praise in his life, but he's also had a lot of duds. So you really never know what you're going to get with this guy. And uh, I I remember John Ritter is in it in a small part. I, I totally forgot Bernie Mac was in it when we were talking about it last week. But then, of course, he's on the cover of the DVD. I'm like, oh, my God, yeah, he's in this. So, um, you know, I wanted to revisit it. And another reason I wanted to revisit it was they made a sequel of this like 10 years later called uh, I think it's called Batter Santa. And I uh, a couple of years back. Right after Christmas, I found in a bargain bin a two-for-one DVD. It was Bad Santa and Badder Santa, both discs, one container. It was like $9.99 on sale for half price, so I bought it. And it's just been sitting there. It was in the plastic. I had never even opened it up, and I've never seen the sequel. So I thought, well, if we watch the first one for the podcast, then now I've got a good reason to watch the sequel, and, and all the details will be fresh in my mind the whole bit. Let me tell you, I opened it up this week and I watched it and I did not like it nearly as much as I remembered. There were parts that I really enjoyed, but overall I thought, ah, this, this one's not so great. Uh, it's not as good as I was remembering it to be. Uh, and I don't know if that's just because time has passed and my sensitivity has changed or what, but I don't know. This might be one of those weird episodes where I recommend a movie, you love it, and I hate it. I don't know. But uh, in any case, there, there, there are parts in this movie that I did find quite funny and that I did enjoy. But overall, after I finished watching it, I sort of went, yeah, I, I didn't love it as much as I was expecting to. So anyway, because you're the one, yeah, you're the obviously the one that nominated this for the podcast. Okay, so Derek, I've been doing this podcast now for eight seasons. And this week, we accomplished a first. I finally watched a movie that I couldn't get through. 
Oh, jeez. I turned it off halfway through. This is hands down the worst movie I've ever had to watch for the podcast. And that is saying something. That's saying something with some of Yancey's picks. Oh, my God. Remember Yancey made me watch movies like like The Lobster and Moon? But I tell you, this one took the cake. So, oh, it was awful. This movie starts off with the credit. Wait, wait, wait. Did your wife finish watching the movie? She fell asleep about 10 minutes into it. And then halfway through, I turned it off. And then she woke up after that. And she's like, what, what happened? I'm like, I turned it off. She's like, I don't blame you. Wow. <laughs> she okay. really wanted to watch it. So the movie starts out with the credits rolling. And it says, producer Harvey Weinstein. That set off red flags right there. But Derek, I just want to say, you know how committed I am to this podcast. I do. I do. No matter how bad the movie is, I always stick out and watch it to the very end. I couldn't do it. I couldn't bring myself to keep watching this garbage. But don't worry, I still got lots to talk about okay, for this okay. week, so it should be good. I want to know how far you got. That's that's halfway. Kind of anyway, we'll we'll talk about it when we get. It there. was like half. What was it, an hour and a half movie? I got like forty six minutes into it, and I was like, I can't do this anymore. Um, I want to start with the critical and mainstream audience success of this movie. So it came out back in two thousand and three, made on a budget of twenty three million dollars. It took in fifty two million. No idea how. Yeah, it finished up. in fifty fourth place that year. But it did outperform films like Lost in Translation and Bowling for Columbine, both of which were much better films Great than this. Great movies, yeah. Critically uh, hell, from Justin to Kelly was a better film than this. So I think we mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but Finding Nemo was the number one movie in 2003. Uh, right. Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl, The Matrix Reloaded, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, and Bruce Almighty. Topped the box office that year. Mm-hmm. But also Elf was number seven. So, you know, Christmas movies can do it. I think the fact that so many people like this movie and it's got a lot of positive reviews on places like Rotten Tomatoes, because I looked it up. Well, and I'm even looking at the IMDb score. It's 7.1 out of 10. Like that usually is seven mm-hmm. and up is usually a pretty good oh movie. Goodness. Like I think that speaks volumes about the state of American culture. This movie is so bad, like so, so bad. And it, and the thing is, here's the thing, Derek. I am not a prude at all. You know that. Like, so it's not just like, you know, it's the fact that there's there's all this cursing and drinking and barfing and shagging and like it's not that. Like, the, that was some of the best parts of the movie. <laughs> I know. I think the whole concept of a quote unquote bad Santa is actually a pretty good concept for a film. It yep. just doesn't work at all here so last week the problem i had with scrooged was bill murray i felt just blew it in the lead role because normally he kind of comes off as goofy and aloof and there's always this underlying notion like he's just kidding around you know yeah and and i felt that that was really missing from his performance in scrooge the same sort of thing here but like multiplied by 10 so I feel like Billy Bob Thornton was the wrong actor to play this part. And funny enough, Bill Murray was originally considered for the role. Did you know that? Uh, I did read that in the trivia, and and I have to agree with you. I do think that uh, as much as Billy Bob Thornton, so he, he... he did his performance was interesting in and of itself and and he can do a lot of great things. But I think that I think he was miscast in this movie. Yep. They also offered the role to Robert De Niro and Jack Nicholson, both of which couldn't do it. 
I, I heard Nicholson he, wanted it, but had other commitments. Yeah, maybe that was I, can, it. I think, honestly, I think someone like Nicholson would have been good just because he's older and heavier. And I think that would have really added to just the physical aspects of a bad Santa character. Oh, interesting. Because I think to pull this off right, they needed to have somebody with a, had like a, like a shred of redeeming qualities. Like some sort of underlying likability, I think, would have worked. Like somebody like, oh, who's that guy from King of Queens? Kevin James? Is that his name? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody, you know who else I think would be good? Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler well, could have played this part. Like no, someone who underneath it all that you believe is actually capable of some redeeming qualities. But I don't think I think that's exactly why they wanted someone like Billy Bob Thornton. You're not supposed to like this guy. He's not supposed to have any redeeming qualities. He is all around just a bad guy in the worst possible way. Well, I mean, like he's he's I don't know. It's like he's he, he's a jerk. He's he's a capital J jerk. Uh, and you're not supposed to like, and I think that was why I didn't like it as much as I remembered. Cause I, I think at the time when it came out, the fact that he was so mean was funny. And I think now I'm a little older, a little more mature and I'm a little more, hopefully I like think a little more sensitive. And I'm, as I'm watching it, it's like his meanness just isn't coming across as funny. It's just coming mm-hmm. across as, as mean straight up being mean for, for no reason that I think that's really what bothered me the most about it was. It's not even that he's mean for a purpose. It's he's being mean simply because he can be. And and maybe 20 years ago, I thought that was funny. But this time around, no, I didn't find it funny. Well, one thing I want to talk about is maybe some changes that we could make. Like I mentioned Sandler and stuff like that. Let's just stick a pin in that. Let's talk about the movie sure. for a bit. And then I want to come back to some maybe some changes sure. that we would have make, maybe make to make this better. You know, and, and okay. so let's start with the cast. We always like to look at the cast. Billy Bob Thornton, obviously, we'll start with him. Um. And maybe that's where this started for me with this movie. I do not like Billy Bob Thornton. I, I know he's this critical darling. He's been nominated for two acting Oscars. He was nominated for Best Supporting Actor for A Simple Plan and Best Actor for Sling Blade. And he won an Oscar for the screenplay to Sling Blade. Yeah. I just don't yeah. like him. I think he has zero charisma, completely unlikable. And I get that's his shtick here. Like, he's supposed to be mm-hmm. unlikable. But... In everything he does, I don't like him. Like, in real life, too. Like, he's a complete weirdo. Remember when he was with Angelina Jolie? Yeah. He was, like, this creepy old guy with her, and they only ate, like, orange food, and they wore vials of each other's blood around their necks. He's just a weirdo. Although, I guess, to be fair, so she. I mean, like, for starters, she's John Voight's kid. He's gone completely off the rails, but I just, I don't like Billy Bob Thornton. So I guess like I kind of came into this with a negative attitude right off the hop. But I think that was uh, so, and I, I can see the point for sure. I, I, I think you're, I think a lot of people are like you, they, they just think he's weird and creepy. And I think that that was part of the reason he was cast in this is because you immediately assume that he's going to be an arrogant jerk. And when he turns out to be exactly that, you're like, yeah, I buy that. You know, in fact, I think that's probably what he's like in real life. So I believe this. Where, and, and so, yeah. yeah, I guess that's a problem with the script too. Like, it, I don't know. It just shouldn't have been that way. So Lauren Graham. Kind of like Angelina Jolini, what the hell was she doing with this creepy, old, drunk, belligerent Billy Bob Thornton? I mean, come on. I mean, I know it's a movie and all, but there's no way in hell that a girl that looked like her would be anywhere near a guy like Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah, that... She is drop-dead gorgeous. He looks like a dirt sandwich. (laughs) Yeah, on his best day. 
Uh-huh. Yeah, no, I agree. I That was the one thing that I really had a hard time wrapping my head around. And I mean, they try and explain it away where she says like, oh, I had this this Santa Claus thing. And that's why she finds him attractive. Like when they're having sex, he, she wants him to have the Santa hat on and stuff. And you're like, OK, people have their kinks and their weirdness. And I, you know, I can accept that. You know, you are who you are. You want what you want. But I can't imagine that you you continue to like they almost like throughout the and not that you watch the whole movie but through the course of the movie they start to like build a relationship and they continue to see each other through the entirety of the movie which it takes place over the course of about a month the month of december leading up to christmas i just don't see that how i hear maybe hooking up with them once or twice and then coming to her senses and going okay i, I got that out of my system i'm ready to like move on so yeah i, I did find that incredibly difficult to accept, but I knew I had to accept it to see where the movie was going next. She was totally miscast. I think it should have been an actress with more of an edge. Like, even like Christina Applegate or someone like that, just not Lauren Graham. I'm not all that familiar with her as an actress. I know she was in The Gilmore Girls. I never watched that. My wife did. No, I never watched it either, but... uh... I remember her mainly from an old episode of Law & Order. I used to love watching reruns of that show. So it was like back in the late 90s, I used to work nights at a bar and I'd come home at night and I'd watch Law and Order reruns on a and I don't even know if that's a channel anymore. Remember a and It is. Yep. I don't think they run Law and Order reruns anymore. Know. Though. But anyway, I remember there was this episode and she was on it and I remember just thinking how beautiful she was. And then last week you're talking about this movie and you mentioned you're like, I think there's nudity in it. And I'm like, I'm really hoping, you know, but there, there, there was no Lauren Graham nudity unless it happened in the second half. Who knows? I uh, yeah, it five off. minutes before the end, you'll have to go back and watch it all the way through. Oh, it. it won't make sense. Uh, but I, you know what? I wouldn't have kept watching it even if I knew Lauren Graham nudity was coming. That's how bad this movie was. Wow. Like that that's, is that's saying a bold something. statement. Yeah. Okay. So another cast member, Bernie Mac, you mentioned him. What was he known for? I, I only know him from a small role in uh, Ocean's Eleven which I really liked. I thought he was really good in that role. I thought he was great. He had his own TV show, I think, but I never watched it. So I, yeah, I, don't he, really... I mean, he made his bones as a stand-up comedian. He was one of the original Kings of comedy where they had the four oh. black comedians that went out and did their thing. He was on that, that, that definitely was, I mean, he obviously had a, he, he had a career as a stand-up comedian to get him to that point, but that's what put him on like the mainstream national stage exposing him to an audience that would have never otherwise been able to, uh, you know, to see his, his routine. And then he got, yeah, they did the Bernie Mac show, which was, you know, loosely based on some of his real life experiences. And, and, uh, you know, it was obviously a toned down version of his stage act largely. Obviously you can't have a, a family TV show where the main guy's cursing and swearing on regular TV, but, um, yeah, and then like you said, he was in the Oceans movies, and he had a lot of bit parts here and there. I mean, I think he did pretty well for himself. Unfortunately, uh, he he passed away at a relatively young age. Um, yeah, he did. He, did. he was like fifty. He died from a yeah. heart attack in like two thousand and eight. Although he had like was... serious health issues for years, I think. Yeah, he did that baseball movie, Mister Three Thousand. Did you ever see that? No. I mean, it wasn't that good, but I know you like sports movies. Mm-hmm. So I, I can't really comment on his role here because he wasn't in it very much and he didn't really have a lot to do. Like it was just yeah, he's more dumb. in the second half. So yeah. if you don't watch the whole movie. Yeah. All right. John Ritter. I was a bit surprised he was in this movie, to be honest. Like, so he died not long after he did this movie. Um, mm-hmm. But I th- one thing was, I thought he looked really good. I remember seeing him on Hollywood Squares back around this same time. And I always remember thinking he didn't look very good. 
He didn't look great, but I thought he looked good here. He looked like he was in good health, um, but he died before this movie was released. He died on September the 11th, 2003. This movie was released on November 26th, 2003. And the movie was dedicated to him, which I, I guess is a nice gesture, but what a way to be remembered. Like he was so amazing in Three's Company and his last work was in this movie. Oh, oh God. Well, I think I think he uh, he and Billy Bob Thornton were friendly, right? Because he was in Sling Blade ten years earlier. So I think that two, from what I was reading, the two of them remained friends to some extent. So I think that was part of the reason right. that he was in this was as a favor to him. And then uh, obviously, that, I think that's partly why they dedicated it to him. Obviously, he was uh, well known, and uh, and I'm sure Billy Bob Thornton had a say in in trying to get that in. I don't know for sure. I'm just speculating mm-hmm. on that, but it would make sense to me. I don't think there's anyone else in the cast worth talking about, is there? I, I did notice there was like a blink and you'll miss her future multiple Oscar nominee and Oscar winner Octavia Spencer. Yeah. She played a prostitute. She was a lot heavier. I, yeah. In that I role, but I recognized her right away. Yeah. And, and then I uh, also. Right at the very, right at the- the very beginning there was also a uh, a guest appearance by um alex bornstein who is the voice of lois griffin and uh yes. is in the marvelous mrs mazel she was uh, the again. mom that was that took her kid up to see santa right yeah right i recognized her yeah. too like i mean yeah you know i mean then when when, you, when she talks i mean you just can't help but recognize yeah. that voice you know so you're yeah, right exactly. um so i want to ask you a question like is like obviously it's supposed to be a comedy but well, yeah. I mean, I didn't yeah, laugh I once, like not once. I couldn't even find a single moment that maybe even sort of passed as a joke or was supposed to be funny. Like if you're going to make this movie, make it a tragedy, maybe, you know, instead it's just everyone is just colossally unlikable. Like, yeah, oh, that, and that and I think that's what my problem was. It's. Obviously, the bad sand of the title, you're not supposed to like him. He's supposed to be a jerk, and he is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the um, the uh, the kid that befriends him, the fat kid, even that kid is annoying. Like, he, you're watching it, and you're like, I can understand why Billy Bob Thornton's character is getting so mad at this kid because I'm watching it, and I'm getting just as mad at this kid. It's like, come on, like, this kid, like, what's wrong with you? You got to screw loose? Like, it's, it's, and I mean, you, you never want to watch a movie and go, that kid sucks, but it's like, man, oh man, I, I, I don't know if it's a credit to the kid's performance or a, a comment on the, on the, the, the script, but I'm like, oh my God, he was so annoying. And yeah, to your point, I, it was definitely not a ha ha laugh out loud comedy. There were some funny bits, but most of the funny bits were like mean, mean, funny. I mean, there's the, the you know, few parts where guys get hit in the nuts and, and people get, you know, fall down like slapstick is funny if it's done well. Uh, and there's a little bit of that in here, but, uh, and a few like sort of dick and fart jokes, like when, uh, uh, John Ritter stumbles across uh, Billy Bob Thornton having sex in the, the, the tall and over, over plus size women's locker room. And he overhears the conversation and then he has to report it to the security guard. Like, I thought that was pretty funny, but, uh, but yeah, not a lot of like laugh out loud, haha jokes. There was clearly that wasn't the intent. Well, you and I have mentioned here on the podcast before about how comedy is basically, died as an art form probably years before this movie came out and this mm-hmm. movie certainly didn't do anything to change that trend let me tell you there's no the scene in the food court when the mom approaches him with her kid and she says to the kid tell santa what you want for christmas and santa just swears at the kid again i can see where you know this idea could be done right and mind for laughs 
Mm-hmm. But not here, not this way, with this script and this cast and this director. No way. This movie sucks. It's just uh, you awful. know. You, I, it just occurred to me. You know how I, I got a version of this movie that you're gonna love. Mm-hmm. Watch the two minute trailer. That ha- the way it's put together, mm-hmm. it's it it comes across as more of a comedy, because I found that the parts that I remembered best and the parts that I actually sort of chuckled at were all the things that were in the trailer. And when that's all you get in a 90 second trailer, the movie presents itself better. So just something to keep in mind, since you're obviously not going to go and waste 45 minutes Mm -hmm. of your life watching the end of it. I would say watch the trailer and then I'll just fill you in in the, you know, I'll give you a 30 second synopsis of what happened in the last half. In regard to this being a Christmas movie, like I get it. It's supposed to be almost an anti-Christmas movie. It's supposed to be the, the sort of the opposite of everything that we've ever seen you know, before that's okay. I like that idea. I just didn't like the execution of it. And I think the thing I hated the most was there's just no story arc. Every scene is just a repeat of the last one. Like he gets drunk. He has sex with random women. He swears. It's like a bad SNL sketch that just keeps on, you know, playing on repeat. Like how about having something actually happen in this? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I found uh, that again was partly for me. I found that it's like, you know, if they're supposed to be in this shopping mall for a month, at least with the little bit you get at the beginning, it's you get the sense that they've been sort of like almost on a stakeout for a month where they've been looking for the holes in the security system. Well, they did. They did a little bit of that. In, in for the rest of the movie, like when they come to this new mall and it's it's the following year. But I kind of wanted to see more of that or yes. you know, the, the, the peril that comes with it, like to, to be able to witness them punching in a security code or things like that. Like like there could be some some tense moments where it's like, well, what happens if they get caught trying to observe these details? And then if they do yes. get caught, how do they get out of it in a way that's funny? Like to me, there's an opportunity for that. But the other thing I kept thinking was if this, if Billy Bob Thornton Santa is this bad, how do they, how does he last a month? And, mm-hmm. and they tried to address that in the movie. Uh, and I don't know if you got this far in the second half, but basically Bernie Mac's character eventually does like a deep dive on, on their background. He finds out who these two guys really are, the, the Santa and the elf and realizes that they're criminals and he blackmails them. He's like, I'm going to make sure that you guys stay employed, but I want half of everything you steal. And he's like, that's it. I just want to taste. And that scene where they, I don't know if you saw that scene, but that scene where they negotiate his cut, that was one of the scenes that had me laughing pretty good. So uh, I'm glad you mentioned that because uh, there's that scene early in the movie where Billy Bob Thornton and the are breaking into a safe. Can you say by the way? No. Is that allowed? It's not. Okay. So him and the. Sans is going to bleep that. All right. So him and the are breaking into a safe. And I thought the same thing as you did. I was like, great idea. This thief dressed as a department store Santa who's really a safe cracker. Great. And then for me, it just kind of died. It was more just about him being a derelict than being a professional thief, which would have been a way better movie, in my opinion. But um, I actually have a question for you. Do you consider yourself as someone who likes Christmas or not? I feel like Christmas isn't a big deal for you personally. Christmas is not a big deal for me for a couple of reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one, I don't have kids. And okay. my 
I have one brother and he doesn't have kids. So I'm not, I'm not a part of a family where there are a lot of little kids at Christmas time, whether my own or part of my extended family. So once, once I was old enough that it was like, it wasn't about Santa and presents and all that stuff. It was like, okay, it's just a, another holiday. And now that I've been working all these years, it's just a, a couple of days that I get off of work, which is nice. And I think the other thing is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very lucky. I'm very fortunate. I'm, you know, I, I grew up in a, in a, in a family where, we were pretty well off. So it was like Christmas was a time when you got presents and stuff, but you know, that was it. it. Like you got the presents you wanted and that was great. Oh good. Santa brought me gifts. And then when you got a little older, okay, mom and dad ponied up some dough and got you the stuff. And, and it's like, I don't know. It, it was almost like, I, I hear people talk now about how, Oh, at Christmas I, you know, I got this one gift and it was this thing I really, really wanted and maybe even wasn't an expensive gift, but it was like, it's important and it's personal. And it's like, I just find that, that really hasn't been a part of Christmas for me in a long, long time. It's just become so material. It's like, oh, well, I got to exchange gifts with these 12 friends and they're going to mm-hmm. exchange gifts with me. And I get a couple of days off work and I get some stuff that I honestly probably don't need. But sure, I can be appreciative. And then you move on. So and then we watch all these Christmas movies. See, because I do love Christmas. And well, I guess I like my Christmas movies with a little bit more heart and a little bit more warmth to them. And, and I get it. Like most Christmas movies... They can be a little bit dark at times, like things like It's a Wonderful Life and A Christmas Carol, but they at least have a a redemption story arc to them. But this was just a one-joke movie. Again, I I felt like it's not a bad idea to make a movie about Santa that's bad, but it has to have a heart. You know, somewhere in there. It has to be about something, too, other than just the way he behaves. Like, something has to happen here. Anything. But it's just the same thing over and over and over again, so... That's the way I took it. Uh, I want to talk about the director, Terry Zweigoff. He hasn't really done much else, and probably for good reason. He directed the documentary Crumb, about cartoonist Robert Crumb. Yeah, he, he was, it's quite good. Yeah, he's the guy that did Zap Comics and Fritz the Cat, right? Yep. And uh, he directed Ghost World with Thor I was going to say, Birch. indie movie Ghost World, which, again, I've also seen that. It was quite good. It's mm-hmm. based on a graph, an independent graphic novel. And then Bad Santa, I think, kind of killed his career. Probably rightly so. (laughs) I think this is a perfect example of a movie that people either love or hate. Definitely. Yeah. You know? I I felt that too. And I, I... I thought I was in the first camp, but after watching it again this week, I, uh, I, I'm definitely not a love it kind of guy, but if it's another 10 years before I see it again, I'm probably going to be okay. Although I'll be honest, I am going to watch the sequel, maybe not before Christmas, but I I paid for it. I want to watch it. And I figure I might as well watch it now while the first one's still sort of fresh in my mind. But, uh, yeah, then that DVD is probably either going to get given away or, uh, just go back on the shelf for a long time. Yeah. It's a love or hate thing. I think, I don't think there's a lot of people out there that are like, Oh yeah, bad Santa. That was okay. You know, I think you either love it or you hate it. You know, obviously I fall into the latter category. No kidding. Um, The scenes with the manager, I didn't really get. He won't fire them. And I'm like, why not? Like the threatens him by saying he's going to get in trouble for discriminating against him because he's black and he's a. Mm -hmm. That's bullshit. Like the manager wouldn't get in trouble for firing them. Billy Bob Thornton, he's a drunk. He swears at kids. He his pants. While he's on the job, there's there's like no discrimination argument to be made here. Just fire these bums, you know? Yeah. And I, I th- sort of thought the same thing. I mean, it's uh, yeah, I don't know. Again, maybe it's maybe it was that in the time it came out, there was a lot more sensitivity about stuff like that, where it's like, oh, you can't fire a, 
a minority, a person of color or whatever. I mean, obviously you shouldn't fire them for those reasons, right. but I think maybe in 2003 when this came out, there was more of a spotlight on people using that as an excuse, whether it was a legitimate excuse or not. And and in this case, this guy was just like, you know, it's grief that they don't want to deal with. Let's just give him another chance. And like he was saying when he met with the security guard, you know, I, I'd like to fire them. I can't fire them for these reasons, but maybe there are totally legit reasons that we can fire them. But. I like how you always think of John Ritter as such a great guy, you know, and then mm-hmm. here he's definitely like this naive manager and he's a pushover. But I can't believe how he throws around the word. Mm-hmm. Even at one point, he's like, no, no, he's got thin fingers. Not the little sausage fingers. So even he's on PC here, you know? So I mentioned before, how could we come back to this? And like, how could we make this movie work? So a few things for me, the casting, like I say, so going back to 2003, you know, if you could recast this movie, I would go with a couple of different changes. I would probably have Adam Sandler be Santa. I would probably have the bartender girl be Christina Applegate. I think the manager would be Henry Winkler. He'd be good. And the security guard, maybe Chris Rock. Maybe the could stay the same. I don't know. Um, you know, it's it's an un-PC movie. I'm allowed to be on pc so. I don't think, though, and I, I just want to retread on this a little mm-hmm. bit from what I said earlier. I don't think that's if you get an actor in the Santa role that you think, oh, that guy's really a good guy deep down. Like, I, I think that's going to, I don't think that the movie's going to, do what they want it to do. It might, you're right. It might be a better movie, but I don't necessarily think it's going to be the, the bad and bad Santa that, that they're going for. But yeah. anyway, it's just my thought. Well, that's a good point. Uh, the, the script though, I think could make changes to kind of rectify that. Like maybe have this Santa character be more of a thief than just an alcoholic yeah. lech. Like it would have made for more opportunities in the script, I think. And then the script itself, way more has to happen. It just can't be a one joke movie like over and over. And the thing is, this movie got a sequel. You mentioned it. You got yeah. a DVD. How did that happen? I don't know. I don't so, know. Maybe there was a contractual obligation or someone was in it and they're like, oh, well, we have a thing, a clause that says if we make a oh, clause, pun intended, if we make a sequel, you have to do it at the rate that we signed you at 10 years ago or something. And I don't know. Like, yeah. Movies that should never have gotten a sequel. Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo, Baby Geniuses 2, Sharknado 2, Leprechaun, and Bad Santa 2. So, anyway. Okay, so, Derek, I turned this movie off. I mentioned, like, I don't care. Like, people can send me hate emails or you can fire me from the podcast. I just could not watch any more of this garbage. And the thing was, after I turned it off, I flipped around the TV and the stop motion Christmas special Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer was on. So it was like the perfect antidote to this poison. So, um, is this movie rewatchable in any way? Christmas movies need to be. Um, well, if you had asked me this last week before I had a chance to revisit it, I would have been like, yeah, of course it is. But this time around, no, not in the sense that you're saying. I, I would definitely not be revisiting this next Christmas. I, I think I got to give it at least five or more years before I'd even consider mm. putting it back in the rotation. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I just don't think it aged as well as as I remembered it. Yeah. Like, how is this something you'd subject yourself to year after year? I'd rather stick my tongue to an icy metal pole than watch this garbage again. I feel like overall it was a career low point for everyone involved. 
everyone, Joel and Ethan Cohen, low point. Billy Bob Thornton, John Ritter, the director. You know, the only one this wasn't a career low point for, Harvey Weinstein, that guy, you know? But this movie was terrible. I just, like I say, I couldn't get through it. I feel so bad. So do you want to give it a rating? I mean, out of 10, what would you give it? I'm going to give it a, a five, a generous five. Wow. I couldn't get through it. Like I said, I had to turn it off. Probably the single worst movie I've ever seen. Definitely the worst movie I've ever seen on this podcast. I give it a zero out of 10. Maybe that's a first. I don't know. So I just, I couldn't do it. Sorry. So anyway, on that note, what do you say? We have some more fun rather than some negative stuff. And we'll do this. Fun with Caveman. All right, so now we are going to play a little bit of a game that we've played. We've played this one before, Derek, and it's time again for. Ladies and gentlemen, name that tune. All right, so here's what's going to happen. I'm going to give you some song lyrics. All you got to do is name the song, okay? They're all Christmas songs. I was going to say, how is this related to yeah. Bad Santa? Did you They're want me to sing them? Like- nope. And, uh, okay, so you ready? I'm just going to give you lyrics. You name the, the song. And they're all Christmas songs because we got to do okay. a Christmas-related thing here. Okay, so this first one, these aren't really lyrics so much as they're phonetic sounds. All right? Pa-rum-pa-pum-pum, rum-pa-pum-pum, rum-pa-pum-pum. That would be the little drummer boy. All right, here's another easy one for you. But the very next day you gave it away, this year to save me from tears, I'll give it to someone special. That's uh, that's the George Michael one. That's uh, Last Christmas. Does this count as getting Whamageddon? I was just going to say, I haven't been Whamageddon yet, so uh, since you're not playing an actual part of the song, uh, no, that, Maybe it doesn't that, count. That, that's, that's <laughs> All right, here's one. And the Christmas bells that ring there are the clanging chimes of doom. Well, tonight, thank God it's them instead of you. And there oh, won't that's... be snow in Africa this Christmas time. Yeah, that's the that's the uh, the British one. Uh, do they know it's Christmas? <laughs> that always struck me as such a, a caring and empathetic lyric. Thank God it's them instead of you. Like, really warms your heart, that sentiment. Yeah, say, hopefully, know a white guy saying that lyric. Yeah, fing Bono, man. I tell you. Okay. Uh, your soul is an appalling dump heap, overflowing with the most disgraceful assortment of rubbish imaginable, mangled up, entangled up knots. That's a Christmas song? It is. Is it White Christmas? <laughs> no, it's not White Christmas. It's, it's Mr. Grinch. Mr. Okay. Grinch, as sung by Thurl Ravenscroft, who is also the voice of Tony the Tiger. Your soul okay. is an appalling dump heap overflowing. Anyway, okay. Sure. Here's, a, here's another one. You're a bum, you're a punk, you're an old slut on junk. Well, that's got to be Bing Crosby. That's got to be White Christmas. <laughs> it sounds like Bing. It's Fairy Tale of New York by the Pogues. I don't think I know that song. You don't. You, you don't I know, know the that. Pogues. I just don't think I know that song. 
and the bells were ringing out on Christmas Day, and they're singing about oh, each other. Oh, yes, And he's yes, like yes, in yes. the drunk tank and stuff. And they're yes, like, yeah. yes, yes. Not the most pleasant set of lyrics I've been throwing at you here tonight. <laughs> if, if anything will crush, crush the Christmas spirit, it's my lyrics. Sorry. No okay, kidding. so let's lighten the mood a little bit here, okay? All right. Toys in every store, but the prettiest sight to see is the holly that will be on your own front door. Uh, I'm having a hard, I'm trying to sing the lyric, but I can't think of the tune. Uh, I don't know. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Okay. Voices singing, let's be jolly. Deck the halls with boughs of holly. That's a uh, jingle bell rock. Not quite. It's rocking round the Christmas tree by oh. Brenda Lee. Close. All right. Prospero Anno e Felicidad. Is that uh, Feliz Navidad? Yes, it is by Jose Feliciano. All right. She'd been drinking too much eggnog, and we begged her not to go. But she forgot her medication, and she staggered out the door into the snow. That's uh, Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. Yes, it was by Elmo Shropshire. All right. When I was a seeker, I sought both night and day. I asked the Lord to help me, and he showed me the way. Huh. Uh, I don't know. That doesn't sound familiar at all. It's Go Tell It on the Mountain. Now, sure. the reason why I wanted to include this song as the last one. Oh, yeah. Every year on social media, I share something, Derek, and you may remember what it is. Every year around it's a, Christmas. It's a pick. What's that? It's a pick. <laughs> it's, it's not a pick. I don't share <laughs> pick at Christmas time. I share pick for Thanksgiving, actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so there's that. No, I share every year. At Christmas, this YouTube video from Winnipeg Public Access Television back in the 80s, it was Henrietta and Myrna Newdorf singing their rousing version of Go Tell It on the Mountain. <laughs> you have to look it up. <laughs> oh, I've seen it. You've said oh. it to me multiple times. Yeah, anybody listening, if you've never seen it, Henrietta and Myrna Newdorf singing Go Tell It on the Mountain might be the single greatest thing I've ever seen anywhere. Oh my God, it's life-changing. It's so good. Oh my God. So make sure you look that up. Um, okay, so Bad Santa, Christmas movie. Yeah, you either love it or hey, you hate it. They can't all be winners, man. Yeah. So I'm going to follow up with another Christmas movie along the same vein somewhat because people seem to either love this one or they hate this one. It's celebrating a major milestone anniversary as well. It was released on November the 18th, 1983, celebrating 40 years. And I'm going with A Christmas Story from 1983. Oh, nice. Yeah. Directed by Bob Clark. It was starring Melinda Dillon and Darren McGavin and Peter Billingsley. It's funny. I've mentioned this to a few people. and They're like, I don't like that movie. Or they're like, what? oh, I love that movie. Like, it's it's either a love or hate thing, I think, with this one. So I don't know anybody that doesn't like this movie. You got to unfriend anybody who doesn't like this movie. Really, I did. So I thought you were in the the not liking it. Oh no! This I even fantastic. mentioned to my wife, and she's like, she's like, I don't like that movie. That movie sucks. And I'm like, okay, whatever. So so I feel like it's a it's a it's a polarizing film for sure. So it'll be a good follow up to this one. So 
Uh, we're going to watch A Christmas Story from 1983. You're going to come back and we'll review it next week. You're up for that? Oh, yeah. Awesome. I have a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff on this one. We oh, all, good. We'll have a lot to talk about. Oh, good. I'm looking forward to hearing some of that stuff. So until next week, I'm Chris McBrien. You're Derek Byers, and we're both saying thanks for taking the time to listen to Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. <laughs> for listening to Pop Goes Your World. You can contact Chris and Derek at popgoesyourworld.com. Please take a minute and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show.